You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, um, I'm on a little bit of a strict timeline here, so I'm going to try to squeeze this in if and I can. Sorry about yesterday. Just been kind of, been a little bit tight, so I'm getting at it early and I'm getting at it fast not spending a lot of time poking around seeing if I missed anything so if I missed anything I apologize but you know trying to strike a balance here uh where to start why don't we just start with this uh, it's a, it's a couple days old already but there's a couple little points on my mind the uh well let's see how can we put gate on the end of this uh Jordan Love on a boat gate we could just call it boat gate um you know, Packers having fun, getting a long gate, elongate. <laughs> Let's stop. Um, this, I, I did see some people saying that some Packer fans were kind of getting upset about this. I don't think that that's the case. I mean, I'm sure somebody did. I didn't see it. I saw Bears fans losing their mind and being ridiculous, and we don't need to super delve into that. They have completely lost their mind. Um, just, just absolutely out of their mind. So it's, it's not even. You know, I, I don't mind kind of punching down with a lot of these takes that are obviously stupid and then just kind of ranting. It's sort of my shtick, to be honest with you. But some of this has become so absurd that it, it's... Uh, again, we're reaching fast and furious level where me ranting against it just is going to have you like, come on, man. No real non-robot said that, so we're just being stupid here. By the way, I should announce, and maybe I'll mention this on Packing It After Dark. I haven't recorded that yet. But I have seen Train to Busan now. So there you go. I won't elaborate. We'll save that for Packernet after dark. But but I just wanted to make that announcement because I've had a lot of people asking. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Just popped into my head. So there's really just two main points. Number one, no, I'm not upset about it. I mean, th- this is sort of the 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 whole real excitement factor. I, I talked about how uh, who who was it? Keyshawn Johnson or whatever said. There's the possibility that the, that Jordan Love is addition by subtraction, right? Well, probably not super likely if we're talking about like full on Aaron Rodgers, right? But still, well, a couple things. <laughs> I can't just stick to the two points. We have to acknowledge as much as we will happily admit that the odds that Jordan Love ever reaches the apex that Aaron Rodgers did is is very low. And there are probably things that Aaron Rodgers did and could do that Jordan Love will never be able to do. But we also can't be so ignorant as to assume that every single thing that Aaron Rodgers ever did will always and forever be better than anything ever Jordan Love will ever do. Right? Now we're getting into, like, Aaron Rodgers' worship territory. And this is sort of the problem I see when it's like, well, maybe the locker room will be a little bit better without Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, how dare you? Because, again, to think that Jordan Love could do anything, even though he's not even necessarily doing anything. It's just by virtue of him maybe getting along with the guys better, maybe just by virtue of him being younger, whatever the case may be, it doesn't really matter. But we can't be so ridiculous. You know, we're we're so hyper-protective of saying, don't you ever dare compare him to Aaron Rodgers, that we can't do that in any way, right? 
You know, Jordan Love jumps higher. How dare you? Yeah, how many MVPs does he have? Like, okay, calm down. Right? He's he's one of the more talented throwers of the football. Just based on experience, not even mentioning his intelligence, his ability to read a defense and everything else, far superior, at least where Jordan Love is. And, and to think that he could ever even reach that point would be unbelievable if he could ever get there, right? But these are just some facets. So we can't be so ridiculous and so caught up in our little arguments that we can't acknowledge that some things, maybe not even the most important things, but we can't be so ridiculous as to think that while some things are certainly going to take a step back, some things can take a step forward. And again, I, I think the, because I know we, we get in our little bubbles and we get in our little fights, and I don't know who's still in their camps and who's kind of started to release their uh, their thing, but... You know, what, one of the things that, was, that came out of the whole Aaron Rodgers battles was the battle of OTAs. And the Aaron Rodgers people took the hard stance that OTAs are not that important. Here's the thing. Let's forget that battle. With Jordan Love and the crew kind of being there. In fact, there's a lot of things about this Jordan Love thing. What you should want as a Packer fan is to be wrong. I understand it sucks from the sake of like, I got into a bunch of arguments and I got a bunch of receipts out there. We got to be, you know, big enough to let that stuff go. I know I'm not big enough. I'm just saying, you know, it's one of those things where in the back of our mind, even though emotionally we can't do it, in the back of our mind, we got to recognize that logically we have to hope that we're wrong. So, for example, the idea that it's not that big of a deal if a quarterback spends time getting getting work in with his, his teammates, well, if that's the case, then that kind of sucks for us because Jordan Love is doing it, right? Even the locker room thing. If you're of the belief that Aaron Rodgers was a, you know, I don't even want to say great teammate to imply that he wasn't, but but everybody loved Aaron Rodgers and he was a great guy and a great leader and everybody just loved that form of leadership and everybody grew as a result of it. If that's the case, then Jordan Love can't add anything. So it's 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 at this point a net negative. Right? If Aaron Rodgers is still here, you want to believe that. Now that he's gone, you shouldn't want to believe that because if you believe that Aaron Rodgers did everything perfectly, Jordan Love can add nothing to this team. There's no positive changes that can take effect. So we should all be hoping that Aaron Rodgers maybe didn't do things per- perfectly so that Jordan Love can at least fill in those gaps. He didn't get the best out of his young receivers, but Jordan Love can. He didn't spend the time to get on the same page with guys, which is why we struggled week one, which is why we struggled until you know week 10 with, with Watson and some of this other stuff. That although Aaron Rodgers was an in- extremely talented thrower and a very brilliant mind, there were some flaws within him and his character that, that were to the detriment of the team. And there were certainly some things, again, I'll bring up the Tunyon comments for the 50 billionth time, that clearly were at the core of the, the culture in Green Bay. And there needs to be some kind of a belief that with guys like, oh, I don't know, Tunyon and Rodgers and, and Lazard and Randall, with those guys gone and a new, young, energetic, hungry, and let's just call it what it is, slightly ignorant group of guys. In other words, they don't know what they don't know. They haven't been in the NFL losing for 15 years. They think they're going to come in and tear it up. Good. Because false belief is still belief and belief matters. As evidenced by Tunyon, who said when we got there, we just didn't believe. That was the reason they kept losing. So there is some benefit in believing that Jordan Love is able to bring things to this team that Aaron Rodgers isn't, regardless of your stance. Even if you don't think it's true, we should all hope that it's true. I hope that I'm wrong about Aaron Rodgers and that he actually did kind of drag some things down and he was a little bit of a crotchety guy that kept people from having fun and and really getting to this point or that point or whatever it, it happens to be because, again, if he does everything perfect, we can't add to it. We can only go backwards. And, and I think we need to at least start from the standpoint of saying it's absolutely absurd to think that that's true. We know from all the articles that have come out and people going behind the scenes and, and leaking information about Aaron Rod, the entire front office couldn't stand the guy, but every single player loved him. The coaches, I don't think, really, really liked the guy all that much. I mean, his quarterback coach did, obviously, but I think some of the other guys were getting a little tired of him. But all the players did. I know what they say publicly. It's what I would say publicly, too, if I didn't like him. I'm not going to trash him on national television. It's ridiculous. But that's not the question. The question is, is there a sense of relief that he's gone and the new guy's coming in from at least a, a work environment standpoint? And again, I'm not asking you to necessarily answer the question. I'm asking you to acknowledge that the best case scenario is this is addition by subtraction. 
because we know that we're subtraction by subtraction in terms of all those areas that we know that Jordan Love, at least at this point in his career, cannot touch Aaron Rodgers in these areas. So where can he add? And I don't just mean athleticism. That's lazy. Well, we're already seeing it. Jordan Love out partying with his guys is something that you didn't see from Aaron Rodgers at least since, you know, what, 2010? And even then, I don't know that he was necessarily involved. I know the wide receivers all got along. Again, that, that article that I saved because I thought it was so cool is the wide receivers all went out to Jordy's place. Rodgers wasn't a part of that. He may have gone out there at some point, probably. I don't know. But I know the receivers kind of clicked. I know the offensive linemen kind of clicked. I know Rodgers is a piece of that. But this is, you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers. You got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are a part of that crew. I'm sure the tight ends are not far behind. If, if, if they weren't included to that party, I promise you, at least Tucker Craft is going to be invited, that dude. You know what I mean? So, again... We have to, we've all established what we think, but what we think and, and what we want to be true can be two different things. And I just want to give you the opportunity to acknowledge that and say, you know what? I don't think that that's true. I think that Aaron Rodgers is a much better leader. I think he's a much better teammate. I think he's a much better player. I think he's a much better everything. Every single facet of life, I think he's better. But I genuinely hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that I'm wrong about OTAs. And I hope that they're massively important. And, and that Aaron Rodgers really did hurt this team and its ability to grow together by not showing up to OTAs. Why do I hope for that? Because if he didn't, then, then we're gaining nothing by Jordan Love being there. And OTAs are useless and nobody should be there. Everybody's just wasting their time. But if it does matter, especially for the quarterback, who's the most important piece of, a, of any football team, then that was a major negative that just became a positive for the Screen Bay Packers football team. All right. Now, now that we've got that established, I also want to add on to the negative side of things, and that is the also very obvious facet that this can go too far. This whole getting together, red cup, partying on a boat, young people, rich people, having fun, it can go too far. And in fact, it's actually really a fragile thing because we already, I think, have pretty much established that Matt LaFleur is not the type of strong-handed leader that's going to be able to rein something like this in if it does spiral out of control. This needs to be self-regulated amongst the locker room, amongst the players. Now, I feel relatively confident because we know Jordan Love is a worker. We know Romeo Dobbs is a worker. We know most of these guys generally are workers, but that can change. Jordan Love can go from a worker to a guy that just got paid. You know, I mean, he didn't get $50 million, but he got, a, what, $10 million in his bank account? That's not a small deal. This dude is rich. He is rich, rich. He is like top 1% of 1% rich right now today. More money than you and I put together we'll ever see in our lifetime, he got in a day. He's still a young guy, and he's out with a bunch of young guys, a bunch of other rich young guys, some of them. I mean, they're all making pretty good money. But, I mean, very similar to, and I think I've told you this story before when I went to college. My dad told me, just don't do what I did and start skipping classes. And at the time, I thought that's ridiculous. Why would I skip classes? You know, when I went to high school, or the second high school I went to, if you walked in the door late, they would drag you into the principal's office and call your parents and tell them that you were late, right? It's, it's, it's sort of nanny state stuff. Everybody was aware of every single thing that every single person was doing. You cannot be late. You cannot miss classes. You cannot do this. Otherwise, someone calling your mommy and daddy. College, nobody gives a crap. And so at the time, I thought, why would I ever do it? And I went in, and I had big plans, man. I was going to be working. There was an uh, um, exchange program in Russia. I was going, man. I was going to be that one that got selected in my you know, junior year, senior year, whatever it was. I was going to Russia. I was going to be working as a, in finance at the freaking World Bank, man. I joined, like, within a week. I was in the finance club. I was wearing a suit and tie on, I think, Thursday nights suit and tie, walking down by myself with my little binder down to the finance association, have our little meetings full of little finance people looking to get all that money. And then I discovered drinking is fun, especially when everyone around you is young and there's no adults anywhere and you, ju you guys just want to have fun all the time and that's all you have to do and nobody cares and you can just have fun every day, all day. You can wake up and have fun and then, you know, do that until you go to sleep. And then you wake up and you realize you didn't do your assignment for class and it's like, well, what if I don't go? And then you don't go, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody says anything. Nobody calls you. There's no email from your professor. Hey, where were you? I'm going to tell your dad if you don't come in here tomorrow. Nobody cares. And then you find somebody else that didn't go to class, and you guys hang out and have a good time and wait for everybody else to come back, and then you guys have a big old bash, and it's a good old time. So you can learn. You can go from being highly motivated and wanting to take over the world to realize, and you know what, this is kind of the life I want, actually. Super Bowls and all that are great, but dude, I'm already rich. I don't care. I'm having fun. And, and we've already seen this with the Green Bay Packers. 
with a young team. And I think it was mostly like the secondary that was kind of the problem. That was my assumption. I don't necessarily know. But you got a bunch of young guys on defense. They go out to California. And again, the whole situation where everybody was like hung over the next day and that was a big problem. And so instead of Matt LaFleur addressing it head on and saying, you do that again, da 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 da, he says, I'll tell you what, why don't we just move it up so we don't get any more days off? So they pushed the schedule so that the next time they go out they go out a day later so that they're less prepared but at least we can trust that guys won't be going out before the game except now we're less prepared for the game so instead of addressing problems we just run from problems that can happen because the team's just getting younger and so again it's going to be incumbent on the players to just want it and if if they decide that they don't really care as much as they care about having a good time and being young and rich then we're all screwed and we don't have a football team it's all coming down to that mentality so I mean, at the same time, the, the the boat picture is our best and worst case scenario come true. That's what we want to see is these guys coming together as, as a unit. But also, if you look at a picture of what worst case scenario looks like, it looks a lot like that picture also. So what matters is, I mean, it's, it's a holiday weekend, right? Okay, cool. I get it. What matters is when, when they go to work, what they care about is work. Not like they show up and they're kind of like giggling in the locker room like, dude, this, hey, hey, what are we doing tonight? That's not a good thing. What matters is when you go to work, it's game face. We don't worry about what happened last night. We don't worry about what's going to happen tonight or next weekend. Nothing. We worry about that later. We're here to work. That's why we're here. Again, it's entirely up to the players. Maybe the ad- addition of Rich Bisaccia can can somewhat help that. But that's sort of the... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous fine line because you, you want them to walk out on the plank and not fall off of it, you know? But that's just sort of where I guess everything sits right now. All right, um, really just three more things I want to cover. I don't even know. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, the the one is really, really short. We got, um, and I just lost it because I'm stupid. The Packers are going to go out and visit with the Cincinnati Bengals and have a joint practice. The news came out as I hit back, 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 back on this. That's a, the one problem I have with using Twitter as notes because apparently I'm freaking addicted to it or something. So I'll click on something that I need. Actually, I'm on it right now. Right? Okay. So boom, that's one of my notes. It's just a tweet. I need that for the podcast. Then I come over here and I look and I'm like, Ooh, notification. And I just go off in my little world. And it's like, you dummy, you're not supposed to touch that tweet from Kelsey Conway. Zach Taylor says the green Bay Packers will come a day early for joint practice ahead of the first preseason game. Joint practice will take place Wednesday, rest day, Thursday game on Friday against the Bengals. So there you go. All right. Um, let's let's take the break now a little early but it is what it is um well patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast or over at uh venmo at packernet podcast please uh check out fertile ground ranch discipleship ministry at fertilegroundranch.org see if that is a ministry a charity that you would be willing to support be greatly appreciated we'll take a break we'll be right back In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so a couple different articles have come out recently, sort of a behind-the-scenes-y look at things. Um, One of them touches on, and again, it's it's a sensitive topic, but it should be something that we're all, I guess, hoping for. Rob Domofsky wrote an article for ESPN entitled Why Packers Rookies Might Mesh Better with Jordan Love Than Aaron Rodgers. Now, honestly, we shouldn't even need to really read the article. It should be obvious to us why that would be a thing, and it should be seen as a good thing. Again, admitting that Jordan Love might be a better quarterback for a couple reasons, might benefit the team in some areas, is not admitting that he's a better overall option than Aaron Rodgers. We got to stop being so ridiculous about stuff. It's not all or nothing. So the article starts off essentially with, I'm assuming this is Rob Demosky that asked these questions, I don't know, but asking some of the younger receivers what it either was like or would have been like if Aaron Rodgers was the guy that you had to have as your quarterback as opposed to um, Jordan Love. So let me just start from the beginning here. Demosky writes, Zontavian Wicks can't say for sure how intimidated he would have been on the first day of work as Green Bay Packers rookie receiver if Aaron Rodgers was still quarterback. He just knows it would have added some angst. Quote, I would prob- I would say probably so, Wicks admitted after the first weeks of open OTA practice. Now, that's not a, necessarily a, a super powerful comment because you know what the question was. Would you have had more angst if Aaron Rodgers was here instead of Jordan Love? And he says, probably, right? Okay, great. But then it goes on. Christian Watson sure felt it when he arrived last year as a rookie. He said, quote, It kind of was like, it's weird just casually seeing him in here, but it's obviously definitely something I've got uh, to get used to, Watson said last June after his first minicamp practice with the Rodgers. I mean, it's still crazy to be in here and playing with him. Romeo Dobbs felt the same way when he was a rookie last year, saying, I mean, I grew up watching him play like uh, with receivers like Donald Driver, and the list goes on. So again, it's very shocking for me. Same thing for Samori Ture, the third year, uh, the third member of the rookie trio, who said after the fa- first practice with Rodgers, sometimes I find myself looking over at practice and seeing him throwing a ball and thinking, man, that's A-Rod. While Dobbs and Watson had productive stretches as rookies, thanks in large part to Rodgers, practicing without uh, the future Hall of Practicing without the future Hall of Famer is one less thing for Wicks, fellow rookie receivers Jaden Reed and Grant DeBose, and rookie tight end Luke Musgrave and Tucker Graff to stress about. And it could be easier for them to assimilate into the Packers' offense with Jordan Love as the starter. Not that they shouldn't strive to be perfect in their every move, but they won't have a four-time MVP with a reputation for being hard on rookies watching their every move. Trying not to read the whole article, but it's, you know... Quote, having Jordan Love, him being young, I'm able to relate to him more and be able to have the same vibe and talk with him, says Wicks, a fifth-year pick from Virginia. Quote, we sat at a table and talked, ate, things like that. It's just building that bond uh, with him, being uh, that we're so young, we're going to be growing together. Second-rounder Reed said he already felt very comfortable with Love and added, I can go up with him and he'll come up to me sometimes. I think it's mutual at this point. So the, the comments about Aaron Rodgers were not necessarily negative, but again, they wouldn't be. This was last year with rookie wide receivers coming in. They're not going to be like, dude, I'm freaking terrible. I don't know what to do. I can't talk to the guy. But but they did. I mean, we did hear about that. It's hard to approach Aaron Rodgers. I didn't know what to say. So generally, what did they do? They'd go to Randall Cobb. And even Randall Cobb was sort of this, he's like a lieutenant in the uh, the Aaron Rodgers army. You know, he's, he's he, it's not like you can, Randall's just one of the boys. No, he's he's one of Rodgers' boys. And so again, this is this is obvious. It's much easier. There, there's no intimidation. It's much easier to kind of get along. You know, again, for all the reasons that Rogers says he couldn't get along with younger guys, similar tastes in music, similar lifestyle, similar all that stuff. Which, by the way, this, this isn't a gotcha in terms of the Aaron Rodgers not hanging out with young people. The point was never that. Oh, they'll definitely be best friends. The point was freaking suck it up. I know you guys don't get along all that well because you're different generation. Too bad. Invite the guys over. Go out and do stuff. They'll go out with you. They would love to. You're freaking mega rich. Take them, take them to a Bucks game. They would love that. That was the point. Despite the differences, you need to make an effort anyways. But in this case, there are no differences, and they naturally gel together. So again, th- this, is, this is relatively obvious as, as a positive that we did not have in the past, and that was just a locker room that really, really gelled 
together, especially when you're talking about quarterback, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, like the the weapons group, if you will. And again, there's there's no like I don't know you know kind of casually going up to Randall like hey man I don't really understand the one he just go right up to 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 anybody go go up to Coach Lafleur can go up to uh, Love you can talk to Christian Watson I mean it's that's the other thing it's not Lazard and Randall where you're not really sure who to talk you can talk to Dobbs you can talk to Watson you can talk to Lafleur you can talk to Love you can talk to Aaron Jones you can talk to Dylan these are these are just your boys who are out there trying to help you. There's no, like, looking down their nose at you. If you're struggling to figure something out, it's just a group of guys all on the same page, all struggling, striving for the same goal, and I think that's what's kind of been missing. Not that they weren't technically all striving for the same goal, but the point is, the way that this team was set up, and I've been saying this for years, is this is Rogers' team. It's Rogers' boys. Matt LaFleur is steering the Rogers ship around, and the young guys are essentially fill-ins, right? You're kind of a nuisance until you can kind of get on my level, which is probably going to take some time, but Rogers doesn't have patience for you to get on that level. But until you're on that level, you're not a part of the crew. You're not one of us. And I don't just mean like from a, I won't talk to you. I, I just mean in terms of like, we don't want you on the field, period. Like we, we are a group of freaking mercenaries. We've been doing this for years. We know exactly what to do, when to do it, all that stuff. That Whether it's from hand signals to little head uh, gestures to, you know, I know that you're reading the field the same way I'm reading the field and all this stuff, right? It's, it's real high-level stuff, and you are just kind of throwing a wrench in this. I don't have time for babysitting you, and, and, and there's some merit to that. I understand that, but the, the problem was last year, those guys were largely not on the team anymore. We were way too young for Rodgers to keep running the ship that way, but that's what he wanted it to be. That's why Lazard and Randall had such a prominent role when they probably shouldn't have. We had more talented guys on the team, but it didn't matter because Rodgers wanted it. So, so again, now we don't have to worry about that. This isn't like that. And while there were benefits to you know having guys that all were super familiar with playing football, there were certainly some serious drawbacks to having a, a quarterback with a broken thumb who didn't have the guys to exercise the, the kind of system and, and offense that he wanted to run. He doesn't have his, his old school offensive lineman that knew about as much stuff. You know, he's got, he's got to remind his center to snap the freaking ball. He's got wide receivers that don't know his hand signals and adjustments and aren't exactly running at the exact right angles and all this stuff. And it's just, it's driving him nuts. But that's the thing. It's like, it, it was never going to mesh. It's not going to mesh anymore, right? And so it is time for that sort of new direction. And, and, and again, while there's clearly drawbacks to not having this sort of mercenary unit, we weren't going to have it anyways because Devontae's gone and, and Randall's not Randall anymore. And, you know, just for, for all these, re, you know, the, the offensive line is falling apart and Big Dog is now gone and all these guys that kind of just knew how to run Roger's system, they're all gone. It's not going to work anymore. And so we've, we've got to take the positives with this young group, which is extremely talented, and they're going to build their own rapport. And that's why all this stuff, again, is super important. they got to figure out their own thing. You know, you look at that first OTAs, and it's like, he, oh, man, he missed some more Terry wide on that end zone thing. Like, oh, this is horrible. He's going to be terrible. You're overthinking it or underthinking it, maybe. I don't know. These are the things they've got to figure out. Where are you going to be and when? How can we make these kinds of adjustments? And even the coaches are trying to figure that out. Like, okay, so you guys suck at that. Right. So let's we'll work on that, but maybe we'll scrap that for this year because you're just not getting it. Other things are just like, holy crap, that's uh, that's a pretty lethal little combination we got there. Let's let's go ahead and ramp that up. We've got to figure these things out. But again, th th this is, you know, this article in general. And again, you can read Domofsky's article over at ESPN. It's, it's relatively straightforward. I, I shouldn't even need to read this and probably don't for everyone to realize where some of the benefits are going to come from. Let me just read this last little snippet here as I kind of go down the page a little bit. The first view of the New Look Packers offense came Tuesday when the team opened an OTA practice to the media. Late in the session, there was kind of a sequence that might have driven Rodgers mad. First, Musgrave let uh, linebacker Devondre Campbell undercut a route, and he nearly picked it off. Next, Dobbs slipped, and when he got uh, his feet back under him, he dropped the ball. Finally, Ture ran an open route, but the ball was well out of reach. Love didn't scowl at Musgrave. He didn't bark at Dobbs. He didn't throw his hands up in frustration after the ball sailed over Ture's head. Maybe if this, is ha this had happened in August training camp practice, Love's reaction would have been different. Perhaps he would have ripped into the group like Rodgers did last summer with his young receivers. Quote, That's not how I've been in the past, Love said, but I think there's a lot of great things to learn from Rodgers. Like, you just see how much he's demanding of people, and, like, the urgency expects 
things to be on because we've got to build things fast. When young guys come in, we've got to have the urgency to be on the same page. So anyways, I sort of laid the groundwork for all this earlier on, but um, I guess this just kind of adds a little bit to it. But again, this if this is upsetting or shocking to you in any way, I think I, th- I, I can't help but think that you're stuck in that, that death spiral of refusing to believe that there are any single solitary benefits to Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers. And I think you have to acknowledge that that's kind of ridiculous. And again, I know we buy into this whole thing of, well, Rodgers was a leader in different ways. I don't buy that. It even says on the bottom of this uh, thing, when, when, when asked about why are players saying that they never hung out with you once, right? Dobbs said that on the Maggie and Perloff podcast, and he went on Pat McAfee and said, you know, some leaders want to be respected first and liked second, and some like to be liked first and, and respected second. That's a stupid answer. First of all, bonding with your guys is a liked and respected thing. Roger's whole thing was, I don't have to do anything for you. My job is to show up and do a great job. And then he believed that that was leading by example. And as I've said, leading by example has nothing to do with leadership. Nothing. And again, I haven't even read, well, maybe one or two, I don't know, but I haven't hardly read any leadership books. But if you can find me a single solitary leadership book that says the way that, that in summary, the way to lead is to just do your job really well. And that's somehow a form of leadership. That is the dumbest crap ever. There's no such thing as lead by example. That's not leadership. That's just doing your job well. And then pissing and moaning about everybody else not doing their job. So to try to wrap up why you didn't do your, your duty as a leader by, by, first of all, leading by example would have been showing up to OTAs. That's, that's first of all. So bull crap on that. You didn't even lead by example. Right, taking accountability is another one. I don't think you did that. You were happy to throw everybody else under the bus about what was going wrong. But let's just pretend those things weren't true. What kind of an example is it to isolate everybody? But I mean, it's, it's all just lame excuses. It's really just kind of stupid. Aaron Rodgers, flat out, was not a good leader. He just wasn't. And I think he knows it. He may have, he may have lied to himself and convinced himself that, that his style was a style of leadership, but it wasn't. It's absolutely not. And you know how you can tell? Because leaders lead, and they inspire. And this was not an inspired football team. That's how you know. There's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers was not a good leader. Because this was not an, a motivated and inspired football team, ever. It was a talented football team. It was not an inspired football team. So, again, we don't have to believe that just because he threw the ball really well, that he was great at everything. We know he's kind of a walled-off person. He has a tight little inner circle. Only a handful of hand-selected people are allowed in his bubble, and everybody else is not, because they're not good enough. That's the reality of what he was as a human being, and who he is as a human being. And that's fine, that's whatever, but it doesn't always work the best in a team sport. That's why I said he'd be better off playing golf, because he is a perfectionist, and he is an incredible athlete. The problem is he has all these pesky uh, teammates on a football field. So yes, there are benefits, and we're seeing the benefits of having Jordan Love um, in that leadership role. Now, we'll see how that manifests, because again, he's a worker. That means if, if in, in true leadership style, you should see that permeate throughout. Everybody takes on his work ethic. They take on his goals. They, they become inspired. They become all that, and, and that remains to be seen. I don't know if Jordan Love's a good leader, but I know that we're taking the first step, and these guys, and, and by the way, this is where liked and respected kind of go hand in hand. If you're willing to extend your hand, let me put it this way, if you're not willing to extend your hand, you're not going to be liked or respected. But at least we're taking a small step in the right direction. Because as I've said now several times, we know now, for the most part, what the problem was with the Green Bay Packers, and it wasn't talent. Despite all the Gutekunst haters, that's just such a, a, a ridiculous, antiquated belief. The talent is there. We weren't getting any production from the talent. We weren't maximizing the talent that we had. And that came because they were uninspired. So we need the locker room to improve. We need inspiration. We need excitement. We need a new energy in there. I don't know if we have that, but I know that if we don't fix it, we're never going to win anything. All right. The other article comes from Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. This is a common place to sort of get that behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, The title of the article, I'll be honest, my first reaction is to roll my eyes. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, and the long secession. Just tell the truth. You wanted to move on. And the only reason I did is because it, it's... Even I'm kind of getting to the part, part where it's like, dude, do we have to rehash this 900 different times? 
But at the same time, there's still a lot of, I mean, the fact that we're all still arguing about what happened, why it happened, and all that stuff means that this is not a settled issue. And understanding the past is critical to understanding the future, and, and how things happen can kind of tell you how things will happen in the future, you know, all that, all that stuff. So we want to understand things the correct way. So yes, we're sort of going to rehash this whole freaking thing all over again. Maybe just one more time, we'll see. And yes, the story goes all the way back to, um, we've heard this now several times, Aaron Rodgers got a text message from David Dunn and it said QB, which told him they were drafting a quarterback, right? That's where the story begins. We know, we know, we know. So again, it starts off with the whole thing. The Packers, they just came off an NFC Championship game. Complete debacle, 37-20, 49ers beat the living crap out of us, etc., etc. Conventional wisdom, get a run stopper, maybe a wide receiver. Instead, they go up four spots and get a quarterback. It is funny, too, when people are like, it's not that you tra- drafted a quarterback, it's that you traded up. Dude, we paid nothing, okay? Freaking relax. <laughs> Here's a funny little paragraph, though. The Packers knew Rodgers wouldn't be happy about the selection, and to protect the relationship between him and head coach Matt LaFleur, they told him the decision to draft Love was strictly the GM's. Quote, I had friends who said, hey, Matt, uh, hey, Matt looks super excited when they made the draft pick, Rodgers said. And I said, I don't care, honestly. Like, they made the pick. They're all, they all signed off on it. It is funny because we had all kind of heard that Jordan Love was essentially handpicked by Matt LaFleur. Right, I mean, he he was the one. Not not saying he made the pick or whatever, but he absolutely signed off. Like this guy would be perfect for what we're doing here. And yes, we all saw him like fist pumping and everything else. I think that was the COVID year, so everybody was separated. But dude was jacked about the Jordan Love pick. Which again, everybody who's this big, you know, Brian Gutekunst hater, like he was the only one. He was not the only one in the building. There's an entire staff of people that came to the conclusion that this was the right thing, including the head coach of the football team. So it's not like one guy unilaterally made a terrible decision and everybody's like, why would you do this? I'm not saying the whole team was on board, but this was not a unilateral decision. Talks about in 2020, he tore stuff up. And then in a Zoom conference after they lost the NFC Championship game to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he says a lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, he said, myself included. Roger says now that after Green Bay drafted Love, he thought he'd have one or two years left in Green Bay. Quote, we didn't win a Super Bowl, Roger said. They had their guy in waiting. Unless things changed, I felt like that's why I said what I said. There was a possibility they were going to move on. I think we also need to recognize this as well. Not only was Rodgers jaded about the pick, but he knew that there was a clock. And as much as winning MVPs and everything was fantastic, he needed to seal the deal. He needed to go out and win a Super Bowl. And, and you can see by his comments, he knew that after getting booted again and again and again and not being able to get over that same hump every single year, he knew that there was a chance that the Packers were going to start looking at each other and going, it's time to move on, man. I mean, enough is enough with this. And I think that played a lot into 2022. I mean, Rodgers, again, he kind of came out with the whole, like, it looks like the Packers want to move on. They've made some comments, all this stuff. And then he decided to retire. He's not going to let the Packers dump him. And he know, I mean, he, he's been knowing for years, as soon as they drafted Love, they're going to be looking for a reason, to, not, not just necessarily looking for a reason, but essentially you're, 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 on a, you're on the clock. Prove to us you can get the job done or we have to move on. And again, I think we usually look at it and say he won MVP, so he was untouchable. And, and to some degree that that's true. I think from Roger's perspective, it was he wasn't able to demonstrate he was able to get the job done, and that made him nervous. He goes on to say, I knew that love was always a possibility that they would want to go, you know what, we tried hard, we tried to win a championship, we had a good team, but now it might be time to go with Jordan, uh, move some contract stuff around and do that. And then we come back to this, and it is a contentious comment, because many people refuse to believe that it's true, but it says, according to a source associated with the team who has granted anonymity to candidly discuss the sensitive dynamics between the front office and the star quarterback, early in the 2021 season, Dunn, Rodgers' agent, called the Packers president, Mark Murphy, with a request, fire Gutekunst or trade Rodgers. Murphy did neither. Months later, news broke that Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, but the Packers held firm. Again, another thing that is that is many people believe is not true. He never requested a trade. That's not true. While he spent the entire offseason refusing to show up and going on television, trashing the team, trashing Gutekunst, all that stuff. And, and again, look, you got to understand, what are we talking about in terms of what we want from the team and the relationship and all that kind of stuff? And what do we have? Let's just freaking be honest about this. This is toxic. This is beyond toxic. You think Brian Gutekunst wasn't made aware of the phone call that was made? That David Dunn is calling your boss saying either fire this guy or trade me 
And then you've got then you then you've got Aaron Rodgers with the freaking gall to say that Brian Gutekunst doesn't treat players right. Oh, you piece of I would have freaking lost my mind. You called my boss and demanded that I get fired. And you got the gall to say that I don't treat players right? At least I look guys in the eye when I fire them. You freaking coward. You had your agent call my boss. And this is, I mean, that, that, that's the other thing about Rodgers. I mean, again, you want to talk about leadership? You want to talk, leadership, stand up, face to face, face the music. What does he do time and time again? He hides in a hole and he tells his agent to go do his job for him. Brian Gutekunst calls him, he ignores the phone calls. Come on, dude. Man up and do your, do your job. Take accountability. This is your career. This is your life. Don't hide behind your agent. Don't pretend you, you're, oh, I didn't see the phone call, which comes up later in the article again. Man up and face the music. And, and, and the crazy part about this is after this happened, in order for Rogers to come back, Gutekunst had to go out to California and try to build a relationship while Rogers sat in the corner with his arms folded, demanding that Gutekunst try to, try to mend this relationship. He needed to come and do some things to prove to me that, that, that he wants to be in a relationship with me. You freaking snake. I don't know if I could do it if I was him. If they decided, you know, we, we, look, we got to go out to California. We, we got to try to win this guy back. And I'm good. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I have to do what? I'm not doing that. I'm not flying out there to grovel to him. But they did it. Because Gutekunst is a monster that doesn't treat people right. I would have been a monster. I would have been a freaking tyrant. I'd have picked up the phone, called him. He wouldn't have answered. I would have left him a message. He wouldn't have listened to it. So then the next call I would have made is to his agent. And I would have said, tell Rogers, I hope he enjoys sitting on the bench this year. Click trying to get me fired because I did my job? You freaking prima donna princess. When asked about the demand that Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, Rodgers deferred to Dunn, who did not reply to the Athletics' request for comment. Gee, I wonder why. I mean, come on, man. It obviously happened. Otherwise, Rodgers would have just said, that's not true. He wouldn't have deferred to, uh, talk to my agent, and then what does David Dunn do? In other words, Rogers says, defer to my agent, and then immediately calls his agent and says, don't you frickin' tell them anything. He very obviously demanded a trade. That whole thing was true. Rogers stayed away from the team until days before training camp in late July, and after, among other things, Gutekunst extended an olive branch by trading for wide receiver Randall Cobb, Rogers' best friend and former long-term teammate. So we went out and got Randall Cobb just for you. Just to make you happy. Didn't help the team at all, but obviously that's not your priority. You just want the team to bend over backwards and do stuff... That involves, you know, bringing in one of your friends. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. And you got a massive contract that screwed over two teams. Great. Roger says, I was under contract for one, so definitely wasn't going to hold out and let them find me. So glad that he came back for the team, right? That's what leaders do. Come back just so I don't get fined. That's leadership. There were a lot of things that I was hoping was going to change, and they made some promises about things that they were going to try to do better, but I just felt like coming back, have a good season, move forward, and not just focus on some of the things that I felt uh, strongly about that may or may not actually ever get done. Wow, what a hero. What an absolute hero he is. So this isn't just bitterness about Jordan Love. This is about standing up for the little guy. <laughs> there is a, a parallel out there, but I'll just... I'll. Leave it alone. It involves a political commentator, and I swear the parallels are just unbelievable. Two extremely egotistical people that are pretending that they're just trying to stand up for the little guy, and really it was all just about themselves. If you know, you know. But, but that was the thing. And, and, and after all this big gesturing and everything else... And by the way, how is demanding a trade going to help the Green Bay Packers? He made it seem like he dug in his heels to try to fix the team, to try to, try to make a real change. No, you didn't. You threw a hissy fit about Jordan Love. Then you tried to get... Brian Gutekunst fired, and then when that didn't happen, you demanded a trade. And then you only showed up in Green Bay because you didn't want to get fined. And then the actual stance that you take is, I was trying to make a positive difference and, and try to make some real change for the sake of the players. No, you weren't. What the players need is their freaking quarterback to show up and do his job. Do you think anybody on this team gives a crap about how Brian Gutekunst treated uh, Jordy Nelson? Maybe like two or three of them. Maybe. Everybody else is focused on winning football games this year and trying to win a championship. God, it's just it's just that he says such stupid crap. And it's like if you first of all, don't be a diva, but now that you are, don't freaking lie to me. Man, the amount of just bull crap that comes out of that guy's mouth. After the first practice of camp, hilariously, Rogers aired his grievances saying he wanted to see changes to the organization's communication and culture. This is how it started in Green Bay. 
Right? After, after week one of practice this year, it's just practice. It's just guys, hey, Musgrave look good. Ooh, uh. What do we hear from Rodgers after all this, after the first day of practice? The, the team culture needs to change. Yes, it does with you. And again, we've been over this. What he really wants to change isn't how the young guys are treated because he treats, treats them like crap. He wants the megastars to be treated like megastars. That's what he wants. And, and, and again, the only thing that means is give them the contract they deserve. Because if you let them go and you don't offer them a contract, that's disrespectful. If you offer them the contract that you think that they're worth or a very low contract that would make it worth it to keep them around, that's also disrespectful. So the only thing respectful that you could do is to give them a full contract that you shouldn't give because it's stupid, which is why Rodgers should focus on being a freaking quarterback and let the GMs be the GMs. And again, after the first day of practice, nobody gives a crap about your grievances and about your whiny little piss match with Brian Gutekunst because he drafted Jordan Love. Oh, we need to change the culture here and how people are treated. Yeah, you want to be treated differently, i.e. don't draft Jordan Love because it hurt my feelings. That's disrespectful. Again, this is why a lot of people are kind of glad that he's gone because we don't want to deal with this crap anymore. You don't get to piss and moan about your replacement getting drafted. It happens to players every single year. Get over it. Shut up and do your job. Nothing about Aaron Rodgers screams leadership. It doesn't even whisper leadership. It, it is all such self-absorbed narcissism. Even this comment about Russ Ball, it says, I mean, Russ definitely made an effort to be more seen, to be better communicator, to be around more, to interact with the guys more. And I really appreciate his effort to grow and to listen to some of the things I was saying and try to make the culture and place a better environment, Roger said. I thought Russ, more than anybody, really showed that he cared and showed a lot of personal growth. And I give him credit for that. Do you understand how arrogant that is? By meeting all of my demands, which is drop everything you're doing, come, you know, hang around with the players, and then do what I say in terms of communication and everything else. And if you do what I say, we'll call it personal growth. You're growing as a human when you do what I say. Look at you becoming a better human. That's unbelievable. Then again, the season ended again. We lost in the divisional round again to the 49ers again. Rodgers comes out again, says, I don't know what I'm doing. And then he gets his massive freaking contract, which by the way, how much money did he make? Now, now, now what is the final tally on that? So last year he made 28 and a half, and then we have a cap hit of 40.3, so that's four, come on, hurry up, 40.3 plus 28.5. So we paid almost $70 million for Rodgers for one year. Okay. Man, $50 million a year would have been great. <laughs> so then after all this, he gets his, his respect, right? I mean, he already got the team to grovel to him and help them to grow as human beings. He got Randall Cobb, but he still didn't feel respected because of the contract. So then they gave him the contract, a contract they should not have given him. It was stupid, but it's what Rodgers wanted. And so they gave it to him. And then he came out and told us that it was a, a team-friendly contract, $70 million for a year. I, I mean, I guess last year it was $28 million cap hit, which was not devastating, but he had to know that it was going to end in devastation one way or another. And, and, and I suppose from his standpoint, who cares? He's gone at that point. So as long as he's here, it shouldn't be that big of a deal with the contract. In that way, it's team friendly, but only insofar as he's on the team and only as so far as we're on, we're, we're talking about like, what, two, three years or something. I don't know. Then it goes on to talk about how Rodgers largely blames the Packers for losing out on Devontae. Devontae did come out and say that he was bitter about the Packers offering like $18 million or whatever, which was... I think the highest any wide receiver made um, in the past year, but it wasn't the, the, the DeAndre Hopkins deal, which of course is a fake contract, but doesn't really matter to Devontae. So Devontae saw it as, you know, you should be paying me $27 million, and the Packers are like, well, 20 is kind of the top of the market here. And, so, and that's what we've been hearing. Like the, the, the gap was massive between what the Packers are offering and what Devontae wanted, which is why I didn't think they were going to come to a deal at all, and I'm shocked that they were offering almost $30 million by the time this thing was all said and done. And uh, yeah, I think as it's been reported, Devontae was so um, offended that the Packers didn't basically start at $30 million, that he was just kind of bitter or whatever. And, and I think Rodgers was bitter that instead of having Devontae back, Christian Watson is now filling in that role, which we wouldn't have Christian Watson if it wasn't for Devontae, by the way. Rodgers didn't show up to OTAs after they drafted these guys, didn't feel his presence was important. Actually, it says, didn't feel his presence was important as the team did, saying any progress made during voluntary OTAs is very nominal. And, and you know what? That might be true if this was a team comprised of a bunch of veterans. If this was old school, like Jordy, Devontae, Randall, 
Aaron Rodgers, Bakhtiari, uh, Balaga, Corey Lindsley, like the, the, the old crew, you know? Yeah, they maybe don't need as much work. It couldn't hurt to kind of get a little bit warmed up. Maybe, maybe since you've been working off all, all offseason on some new stuff, kind of getting together and being like, hey, we should work on this or we should work on that as a group. You know, this is where we struggled. I would think you'd want to be in there every time the doors are open to try to improve. But okay, let's just say that it would be relatively minimal to a, a group of guys that have been doing this together for like 10 years. But that's certainly not the case when it's an entirely new young team. And you and Bakhtiari and Randall and, and Lazard, I guess, are the only guys that maybe couldn't. And, and Lazard, by the way, absolutely needed the help as well because he went from being like the number three wide receiver to the number one wide receiver. I think he could have used a little bit of guidance. But again, leadership. According to a source associated with the team, the Packers weren't satisfied with Rodgers' commitment and effort. Again, this is the whole thing. Well, uh, it's voluntary. It's still an expectation. They're just not allowed to make it a requirement. But you are absolutely expected to be there by your teammates, by your coaches, by the front office. And not showing up is not just an indifferent thing. Like, oh, you didn't, okay, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's voluntary. No, it's a smack in the face. The doors open, you're expected to be here. No, I'm not coming. That's not nothing. But it says Roger's commitment and effort was a question not only during voluntary OTAs, but on a day-to-day basis afterwards. Rodgers takes exception to the thought that the team wanted more from him in the months after giving him the richest contract in NFL history. He says, when I'm all in, I'm all in, and you want to ride with off-season workouts? Dude, (laughs) you're not all in if you're not at OTAs. That's what all means. See what I mean? He just says stuff that's so stupid. That's not all in. You're not all in. I won MVP without doing off-season workouts. Yes, you did. You did. Maybe it's not as much about you. Like, was my commitment any less then? I'd say not at all. Yes, your commitment is less. Your commitment to the team is less when you don't show up to OTAs. Uh, It's staggering he doesn't see, I won MVP, so how am I not committed? It's not golf, Rogers. It's not golf. I'm so happy that you can skip OTAs and still play at a high level. That isn't the point. This is a team sport. The way that I come back to work, not just physically in good shape, which he wasn't, but mentally refreshed is the best thing for me to have the season I want to have. Me, I, I, me, 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 I, I, me, 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 I, me, 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 I. All we ever hear from Rogers, me, 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 me. And then he tries to, to, again, hide behind, I'm doing this for the other guys. No, you're not. This isn't about the other guys. OTAs would have been about the other guys. This is about you. You getting another week or two weeks or three weeks of vacation is more important because you want to be mentally refreshed. And that's more important than helping the other teammates get on the same page so you guys can win a Super Bowl. This is about you. And he doesn't even see it. That's how far away from his mind it is that he can say this and not even realize what he's saying. He says it's a cop-out written to try to find something to disparage me. Again, it's just about you. I was good, so why are you talking bad about me? You're just trying to disparage me. No, no, you said you're all in and then didn't bother to show up. And when you did show up, according to the team, you were quote-unquote flabby. And then you show up with an attitude and you're barking at people because they're not on your level. They're not, well, you know what would have helped them get on your level? You! More time with you. But you were not all in. That's the problem. God, ticks me off, man. Again, it's like, you know, hey, he got big time diva, whatever, but, but just the freaking attitude that he has and, and the backstabby things that he does, and then everything is everybody else's fault, it just ticks me off. After the 2022 season ended in uh, disaster, he said, I showed up to work, I brought the same commitment, the same type of energy, and obviously there were some trying times and frustration as we went through that losing streak. But we put on a strong run to finish the season and came up short. Now, not to necessarily overanalyze this, but when it came to hard work and commitment, it was I. When it came to um, trying times and coming up short, it was we. Just saying. I feel good about the way I showed up for my guys every single week, and it's convenient how to uh, convenient now to look at that, but it wasn't a conversation when Russ and Matt and Brian and Mark would thank me for my speeches after uh, games or the way I fought, played, and different things. You can rewrite history all you want, but I, but like I said, I still got receipts. Wait, so you had Russ, Matt, Brian, and Mark thanking you for making speeches after games? I wonder if that maybe has something to do with them growing as human beings. You know how you demanded that they do things like that? Do you think it's normal? Do you think when Pat Mahomes talks after a game that the owner of the team 
two front office people and your head coach come over and say, hey, thanks for doing that. I really appreciate you putting in a little bit of effort and, and, and talking to the players. And Do you think that's normal? Or do you think that they recognize that Aaron Rodgers maybe needs a little bit of extra coddling? He demands it. I mean, literally said that he demands it. He calls it personal growth on their behalf. And now he's trying to use it as evidence that he did such a great job because everybody in the building was saying you did such a great job because you demanded that everybody in the building tell you that you're doing such a great job for their own personal growth, of course. Then we fast forward again. We know about the whole saga, goes into a hole, all that stuff. He was asked again about the disconnect. Gutekunst and Rodgers agreed to meet in person in Southern California, where Rodgers lives in the offseason and where Gutekunst was traveling in late January for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, but they never connected while Gutekunst was out West. Life happens, Rodgers says now. When I hit him back, he was always out of town, but it wasn't like I hit him back like five days later. He hit me up like in the morning of one day. I hit him up either uh, late night or the next morning or the next day or when he was gone. It wasn't like there was a date we were for sure meeting at this time in this place. It was like, hey, I'm coming out west. I'm driving, whatever. You want to get together? I said, yeah, I got a busy schedule. I'm working out. I got things going on. I got appearances. But I'd like to make it work, too. Rogers, there is not a single day on your, scal- on your schedule where you couldn't meet with Brian Gutekunst for an hour. Oh, I can't. I'm working out. <laughs> I have appearances. You do appearances from your couch. It's not like you're flying out to the Pat McAfee show. You're sitting on your couch and you prop up your phone. And again, his, his story is entirely different than, than what everybody else has said, which is this again. Gutekunst and Rogers agreed to meet in person in Southern California where Rogers lives, again, catering to his preferences, when Gutekunst was traveling in late January for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. So we have a location and we have a very specific time frame. This is within a matter of a couple days. Let's call it a week. He's in town. I'm here right outside your doorstep. When can we get together? I'm busy, uh, spotty reception, uh, we'll, we'll see what we, uh, I don't know. So it didn't happen. According to Gutekunst, it didn't happen because Rogers ghosted him. And that was the account of many people. According to Rogers, who of course would never acknowledge that he did anything petty or silly like that, or backed out or hid behind his, G, or, uh, uh, behind his uh, agent or anything, says, you know, we played phone tag and it was just kind of weird. Like I was busy and he was busy and, you know, I wanted to meet him. And he was like, I don't know, I'm lost in somewhere in Utah or something. He's like, okay, well, let me know. And then he never called me back. You know, it's just the silly nonsense. In March at the NFL annual meeting in Phoenix, Gutekunst told reporters he tried to contact Rodgers many times during the offseason to discuss how the quarterback fit into the team's future, but that Rodgers proved too elusive to reach. Asked about the two sides differing stories, Rodgers credited the disconnect to the Packers not using FaceTime to call him. So he doubled down on this story. Here's what he said. I have zero to one bar at the house. So you call me. Sometimes it goes through. Most of the time it drops and doesn't go through. Rogers said, everybody who knows me when I'm out West, they know that's how to get a hold of me. So you can say whatever you want about that, but that's the effing truth. So again, there were also a contingent of people. He was joking about that. That wasn't serious. He just doubled down on it. And he just said, that's the effing truth. He seriously is doubling. I mean, uh, come on, man. What, What? are we honestly going to say that this guy's being honest about everything and it's the, it's, the, it's the Packers that are lying? And by the way, there are a lot, a lot of people on the other side and basically just Rodgers on this side of the argument. And everything Rodgers says makes no sense. Gutekunst set up a very specific time when he's going to be in his backyard. And he, he says he got ghosted. Rodgers said, oh, I don't know, we just couldn't really pick a time or a place. Really? Sounds pretty specific to me. And then the most ridiculous thing of all, I get no cell service. Dummy. All your communications went through your agent. If Brian Gutekunst was trying to get a hold of you, you knew about it. Even if you missed a call, it's going to show up on your phone as a missed call. Did you call back? Did you respond to any of the voicemails? Because it's going to go to voicemail, and he obviously left you a voicemail. Did you respond to any of those? Trying to pretend as though I just I had no idea he was calling. That doesn't work with missed phone calls, bro. That's not how that works. And on top of that, there are a lot of ways to get a hold of you. I promise you, if Gutekunst is calling you three, four, five, six, seven times and you're not answering, he's going to call your agent. And your agent definitely talked to you and said, Gutekunst wants to get a hold of you. So why didn't you call him back? It's the effing truth. Yeah, I'm sure it is the truth that you have bad reception out there. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And again, what do we have after that? The next communication, did he pick up the phone and say, hey, Goot, I want to be traded? Nope, he hid behind his, his agent. He instructed his agent to tell the Packers, I want to be traded. He says, did Brian text me more than I texted him? Yeah, but did I ghost him? No. 
Roger said. I texted him back. There was back and forth that we had, and so this is the story you want to go with. You're going to stand on this hill of austerity and say that arguably in this conversation of the best player in your franchise history, you're going to say, I couldn't get a hold of him, and that's why we move on? Like, come on, man. Just tell the truth. You wanted to move on. You don't like the fact that we didn't communicate all the time. Like, listen, I talk to people like, uh, I talk to people that I like. So, wow. First of all, I do agree with this, and I've said it before. The Packers playing this game where they pretend that they wanted Rodgers back and that Rodgers dropped the ball and they had no choice is not true. They did not want Rodgers back, and that's the obvious truth. They didn't like Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's painfully obvious as to why they didn't like Aaron Rodgers. They were stuck with Aaron Rodgers because he played so well, and then they gave him a contract, and they were mega stuck with Aaron Rodgers, which is probably why they had to play it the way that they played it. But he's right. Just be honest and say we didn't want him here. But then he ends it with, like, listen, I talk to the people that I like. Thank you, Rodgers, for being honest. This, this entire last paragraph is the only thing that I think Rodgers has said that I agree with. Come on, man, tell the truth. You wanted to move on. You didn't like the fact that we didn't communicate at all, except that part I don't think is... I don't think the issue is you wouldn't pick up his calls because he just so desperately wanted to talk to you. And they're like, fine, let's move on. I think it had a little bit more to do with some other facets. But then he says, listen, I talk to the people that I like. Thank you for acknowledging that you refuse to talk to Brian Gutekunst because you don't like him. Mr., you know, you don't treat players, or okay, Rogers. well, you don't play, treat GMs very well. So we should put you on a re-education course and see if you can grow as a human being. But it says, the only aspect of the seismic transaction that seems certain is it was time for the Packers and Rogers to move on. I don't think anybody can really doubt that. There's no benefit to having Rogers here. It's just not a, it's not a beneficial thing. Um, kind of shifts now to Jordan Love, and I do like some of this, and I, I like it because it dispels some of the negative things. And a lot of this comes from Bears fans or whatever that only know parts of truth, but some Packer fans are this way too. They only take some pieces of the negative, and, and for, for example, the, the Packers don't have confidence in Love. They don't believe in him. They said temper expectations. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. His The game against the Chiefs was terrible. All, you know, it's just we're, we're going to nitpick all the things that we found to be negative, even if it's not entirely true, and we're just going to run with that and ignore everything else. But it starts off with the Kansas City thing. Rodgers uh, test positive for COVID in Week 9. Very short notice, he gets thrust into it. But that afternoon is one of the reasons Gutekunst is encouraged by love taking over. You don't hear that too often, but that's what it says. We didn't have a great plan for him there, Gutekunst told The Athletic. I thought the way he responded to that, the way he handled himself in the midst of the chaos in a tough time, I think it gave us confidence that he could stay poised in those moments. And he's, again, anybody that watched that, zero quarterbacks are going to respond positively to the amount of pressure that he was under. It was a freaking joke. And, and the team is taking responsibility for it, saying, you know, we didn't develop a good enough plan for him. Because, again, what did they do? They just trotted him out there and said, go run Rodgers offense. Didn't work. Talks about the Eagles game, says Gutekunst says he's seen improvement from Love over the past couple of off-seasons when Rodgers wasn't around and when uh, Love took starter reps and ran practices last season with Rodgers nursing injuries. Rodgers talks about how he, he and uh, Love get along, which is a good thing, and, and Rodgers did say, or I think Love said that um, Rodgers said he could call him anytime if he has questions, and I believe that. I think that is the, one of the redeemable things about Rodgers' experience with Brett Favre. He said, I'm never going to have somebody else go through that, and I think he honored that. He was not going to allow himself to become the Brett Favre in that relationship and treat Jordan Love poorly. He, his, his issue was with Brian Gutekunst, and he kept his focus on that and never allowed that to bleed into Jordan Love. And that is admirable because half of our fan base can't even do that. They hate Jordan Love because they're mad about the decision, and they can't separate the two things. So, anyways, that's about it. That's uh, about all that the article had to say here. Again, you can go over to The Athletic and read it more in detail, but... Um, Look, I, I, all we can do, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is take the details of the case and, and try to come to what makes the most sense. And it is so painfully obvious the way that this all played out. Painfully obvious. And that isn't to say that the front office and the, the, the coaches did everything perfectly, but I mean, in terms of what the major, major malfunctions were, it was Rogers. He's a very self-centered, egotistical person. And that just doesn't, it doesn't work, period. But it was to the detriment of the team. And he didn't even recognize it because he doesn't even see himself as needing to be responsible for the play. And he said that stuff. Again, his whole mentality is get on my level. Why aren't you up here yet? Don't talk to me until you're up here. He never, ever took it upon himself to make sure the team 
was where it needed to be and was at its best. That's what all-in means. It means going to OTAs. It means being there whenever you can, even in the offseason. Not just working on yourself, but working on your guys and making sure they're ready to go like a lot of the other top quarterbacks do. It's about football. It's about winning. All-in doesn't mean disconnecting from football and going off and doing whatever you want and then skipping OTAs so that you're not helping out your teammates and getting acclimated with your guys and then showing up to OTAs out of shape and then still pissing and moaning about your relationship with the GM when everybody else just wants to focus on winning football games. You're focusing on politics and how you're being treated. You know, it's just... And look, I don't think he's doing that out there in New York because New York has respected him and everything's great and everything's wonderful and that's fine. He couldn't get past the way that he was being treated. He, he couldn't let it go. He was completely jaded. And so it, it just needed to end. It had to end. There's no two ways around it. And again, these are the things that are not going to happen with Jordan Love. Maybe in 10 years, but not today. And that is a positive, and that is addition by subtraction. Maybe not overall, but at least in these areas, it's absolutely an addition to our team. It is a net positive to our locker room. It's a net positive for our coaching staff and for our front office to not have to deal with and cater to this. We don't have to have the entire organization converge on the locker room after Rodgers makes a speech so we can pat him on the back. We don't have to to kowtow at at the podium and throw every single other human being under the bus when Rodgers had a bad day and talk about how the offensive line could have been better and the receivers could have been better and the coaching staff could have been better. Just because, oh no, the media is launching into to Rodgers, we got to circle the wagons. Which, by the way, I, I, I think the coaching staff should be ashamed of itself, Matt LaFleur in particular, for doing that, for never once holding Rodgers accountable. But again, this team has been held over a complete freaking barrel. They have been Aaron Rodgers obsessed, walking on eggshells for years, and it's time for that to stop. It's time to stop treating players differently. If Jordan Love makes a mistake, they need to hold him accountable. And if you don't want to do it in front of the media, fine, but don't you dare throw other players under the bus if Jordan Love has a bad day. I don't want to hear about how Aaron Rodgers didn't pick up a bl- or Aaron Jones didn't pick up a block or how Dobbs ran a wrong route or whatever. Everybody needs to be held accountable, including the quarterbacks. And there at least needs to be consistency. If you're not throwing players under the bus, then fine, that's your official stance. Uh, 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 Mike McCarthy was that way. He would not throw anybody into the bus. And so that's just the way it was. He stuck up for his guys no matter what. Fine, if that's your policy, fine. But if you're going to actually point out issues, point them out about everybody. Because that will poison a locker room real fast. Anyways, as usual, whenever I say it's going to be a short episode, it's a long one. I got to get going. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.